This is the Action Network Podcast. It's good! It's Welcome to the Action Network podcast presented by the FanDuel Sportsbook. Brendan Glasheen joined by Sean Zarello, Colin Whitchurch, and BJ Cunningham. We're talking baseball on the Action Network podcast today. Major League Baseball opening day this week, Thursday. In this episode, we are giving out our favorite season-long American League best bets. We also have a National League episode coming out later in the week on the Action Network podcast. Stay tuned for that. Best way to do this, gents, we'll go division by division. If you have a favorite play, could be a win total, could be a division winner, could be a World Series pick. Give it to us. If you don't have something for each division, not a problem, but we'll go through each division. So we'll start in the AL East. Sean Zarillo, what do you got? Yeah, I got a couple of AL East angles, actually three. So in terms of divisional bet, pennant bet, I like the Yankees here. I capped them as the best team in the American League going into the season. Even with the Carlos Rodon injury, they won 99 games last year. Their Pythagorean record had 106 wins. So they actually underachieved by seven wins relative to that. And typically you see teams regress towards that Pythagorean mark in the next season. So they should be even better this year. Um they should continue to benefit from their defensive value, even with the shift going away, just 13% of their defense and their, their positive defensive value was tied to sh- the shift last season. So largely they are able to play on an Island, generate strong defensive value behind the plate, Jose Trevino, that may go away next year with strikes on being automated. But I do like the Yankees here in terms of their divisional odds to about minus 122, their pennant odds, I wouldn't bet fast plus 350, which is roughly the lowest number you'll find in the market. In terms of a team I like at the end, though, to make a run, maybe win the World Series, that would be the Rays. I think going into the year, the Rays have a few injuries that make me skeptical that they would be able to win the division. Tyler Glasnow banged up. But by the time the playoffs come around, they may have the best and deepest rotation in baseball. You can roll out Glasnow, Shane McClanahan, Shane Bosch should be back by then. Jeffrey Springs looks great in spring training. Rays extended him. And then you've got all sorts of arms who are starters, Rasmussen, Taj Bradley, Luis Patino, Josh Fleming, who you could stick in the bullpen. I think Wander, Franco, and Brandon Lauer are going to break out this year. I still believe in Vidal Brujan. So the Rays in totality, their roster down the stretch, how they were building towards the end of the season. I like the Rays at 25 to one of the win the World Series. But in terms of safer divisional bets, pennant bets, I think the Yankees are a solid play in the AL East. And relative to how I have them ranked compared to Houston, I like their pennant odds as well. Are you concerned at all, though, if the Rays, because McClanahan sort of uh, dipped by the end of the season, he was in the Cy Young hunt, then kind of dipped out of the race because he had to miss some starts. The Glasnow injury, injury, as you mentioned, can they manage it enough during the year to be in contention by the end of the season? I think so. The Rays have one of the deepest 40-man rosters in baseball. You also just look at their projections for Fangrass, Bakota. On average, they have them around minus 170 to make the playoffs around a little little bit higher than 60%, closer to 65%. So I think they view this team with that third wildcard spot as pretty safe to make it to the playoffs. And I think their team, in terms of the injuries and when the talent's coming back, 
I think their team should be peaking around playoff time. So that's why I prefer them as a World Series bet. If they get to the dance, 25 to 1 is going to look like a nice number. And it might right now minus 188 to just make the playoffs, the Tampa Bay Rays, too. Yeah, I think there's no value in that bet. I think that's roughly where it should be, maybe a little overinflated with the big. Right. But that adds to your point about taking a shot on the World Series pick because there's some uh there's some better value there. Yeah, and they're there it seems like they're a safe bet just to get there. So that 25 to 1 ticket, considering they're likely to get one of the wild card spots, I think that's pretty nice. Colin Whitchurch, you've got to play on the Boston Red Sox. I think we're gonna talk a little Red Sox here the next couple minutes. Yeah. Apologies to both you, Brendan and uh BJ there, but I am very out on the Red Sox this year. I'm taking their under on their win total, 78 and a half. I think this is the worst team in the American League East. I think that they finish in last place. I think the Orioles are going to be better than them this year. I don't see any reason for optimism out of these Red Sox right now. You look at this lineup, you look at this rotation. Their opening day starter is going to be Corey Kluber, 37-year-old Corey Kluber. (laughs) Cy Young Award winner, Corey Kluber. (laughs) Back-to-back Cy Young winner, two-time Cy Young winner, Mm -hmm. Corey Kluber, who's now 37 who cannot stay healthy back end of the rotation with guys like cutter Crawford, Nick Pavetta. Oh. Uh, I do like Tanner Houck, uh a decent amount, but you know, there's just, there's just so much uncertainty around this entire roster. Like you can look at the 100th percentile outcome out of these guys and you could see a good team. Chris sale stays healthy all year. He's back to what he was. Sure. Justin Turner performs like an all-star at the age of 38. Sure, maybe Yoshida works out. We saw him in the World Baseball Classic. He was awesome. Awesome. But there is no depth here. They're starting Reese Reese McGuire at catcher, Christian Arroyo at second base. Devers is is obviously the cornerstone of that lineup, but everything around him is just rife with question marks in – you know, the best and deepest division in baseball, maybe them or or the NL East. There's not a lot in terms of depth pieces or top prospects coming up behind these guys. You know, you, you need more than 26 guys to get through a season, and I don't see where those guys are going to come from on the Red Sox. They've got two non-roster invitees probably going to make the roster, Jorge Alfaro, Rymel Tapia, guys who bounced around the league the last couple of years. Kenley Jansen, obviously, they're hoping for a bounce back from him at the back end of the bullpen. Um, But I just, there's a lot of optimism. I I think the optimism about the Orioles is kind of overblown. However, I understand the optimism against the Red Sox because the Red Sox just kind of seem like a sinking ship at this point with this roster, with this lineup as currently constructed. Zarillo and I have talked on many occasions about, we talked about this with the White Sox and the Phillies in uh, preseason podcasts about how if you just judge a team by its 26-man roster, that's not necessarily what you want to do in judging an entire season. And if you judge the 40 to 45 players that the Red Sox are going to need to get through a season, it just gets really bleak. So I'm sorry, under 78 and a half wins, if there was a bet that you could place for division finish odds and I would like to see what the odds are for the Red Sox to finish in fifth place in the AL East because I think there would be some value there as well I did want to really quickly mention because Cirillo talked about the Rays you know the rookie of the year races are among my favorites every single year and Zarillo talked about them peaking late in the season there are a couple of rookies on the Rays who I love their rookie of the year value Curtis Mead 
Taj Bradley, Mead's 40 to one, Bradley's 80 to one. Both guys are starting the year in AAA. Those guys are on my short list of rookie of the year bets because they could come up and absolutely do wonders for the Rays in that stacked system. Okay. Rookie of the year market. Always interesting. And that, and just as a reminder too, like we'll have payoff pitch throughout the season, folks, our baseball betting podcast at action network, separate podcast, fully dedicated to baseball. I remember last year, Colin got involved with some uh, live action, meaning during the season where you might have some edges in the rookie of the year market. We know uh, uh, Julio Rodriguez was the, the, the runaway guy, but there was some value to be found uh, down the stretch. BJ Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Tell, tell us why the Red Sox are going to be better. The bull, the bullpen's better. It is. Now, I'll, I'll say, I, I don't give out many picks on this on these kinds of shows. I got the Red Sox at 76 and a half on the over. So I went out there and got go. 76 and a half. So, Colin, we can we can both win. But, BJ, why, why do you have more confidence in the Red Sox? You like the over. I do. And I think there is a scenario where everything actually kind of goes right for the Red Sox and they potentially go over 500. Again, we're not asking the Red Sox to go over 500 here to hit this win total. We're only asking them to win 79 games. Now, you know, the additions they've made offensively, I think Yoshida looks awesome. I, you know, even if you look at his projections, he's projected to be around a 365 weighted on base average, three war type of player, which is well above the major league average. That adds a huge bat to the Red Sox lineup. Obviously, Devers is still one of the best hitters in baseball. Verdugo is still incredibly productive. Kike Hernandez is somewhat hit or miss, but it still has been a productive hitter for the last two seasons. And, you know, basically what it comes down to for the Red Sox is what do you get from the bottom end of their lineup from guys like Bobby Dahlbeck or Tristan Casas? If those guys perform, you know, where they have been projected to be, then the Red Sox lineup could be kind of dangerous. And yes, the starting pitching is a, is a major concern. You know, Tanner Hawk, if he's actually able to be what he was two seasons ago, then yes, the Red Sox could be okay. And obviously you're asking Chris Sale and, and Corey Kluber hmm. to stay healthy for a full season, which, you know, just gave me a little bit of a like shivers through my, my spine uh, just thinking about it. So yes, the starting rotation is bad, but the bullpen is going to be better. You're right, Brendan. It is going to be better. Wait, Something the Red Sox have lacked for the last few seasons is a reliable closer. Last season, they had three guys tied for eight, eight saves. Now you add Kenley Jansen, who's been one of the best closers in baseball for a really long time now. You have John Schreiber, who's top 25 reliever in Major League Baseball. Last season, he had a 2.5 XCRA. They added Chris Martin, who was a top 50 reliever last season. And, you know, I have them power rated as the 16th best bullpen in Major League Baseball. Last season, they were a bottom five bullpen. So that type of improvement is only going to help the Red Sox. And if you look at composite win total projections from Sean Zerillos to Dakota to Davenport, I mean, the Red Sox are closer to 80 wins than they are to around 76 or 75. So I think there is a scenario where everything goes right for the Red Sox and they potentially get towards being 500. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs or I don't think they're really going to contend with the starting pitching they have. But this lineup is still very good. And if you have an average bullpen, that can help out a very bad starting rotation, which something they didn't have last season. So I am on the Red Sox over 78 and a half wins. I'm going against Colin and we'll see how it all ends out. You know, Brian Bayo could take a leap. Chris exactly. Sale, Chris Sale, please stay off the bicycle. If anything, yeah. uh, training wheels preferred. If he you want to take a 95 in spring training, people, he could yeah, be well, back. Hey, you'll never find a bigger Chris Sale stand than me. But when Sale and Kluber go down, I look at their depth chart. Who comes into the rotation? Maybe Bayo, Brian Maybe Mata, Who knows? Brandon Walter, Chris yeah. Murphy. Who the hell are these guys? Or that's exactly like that's I could see that. Who are these guys on the Boston Globe in yeah. like <laughs> when they're hanging around? 
Okay. Admittedly, that is enough Red Sox discussion. Let's go to the AL Central. Let's move on to the AL Central. Colin brought up the White Sox. It's another win total angle that Sean Zarolo would like to discuss. Yeah, my favorite win total under for my favorite win total period for either league, the White Sox under 83 and a half still out there. When I looked about a win total, I set an edge bar around three and a half wins compared to my number. I have the White Sox at around 76 and a half wins. So normally I would look to bet in under 80 after combining in the composite projection that BJ mentioned, where I look at Davenport, Fangrass, Pakoda's projections, sort of average them into my own because that has been more profitable is to take an average of all four projections over the past four seasons. You would hit closer to 60% than any of them individually getting you closer to 52%. So including the composite projection, it would set the target around 82 wins. It would have their win total at around 79 wins for the season. All the four projections like them to go under. They overachieved technically by three wins last year, finished with 81 wins. Pythag was 78. So the 2023 projections have them finishing right around their Pythagorean total from last season. Bad defensive team, not going to get better with the shift. They were actually aided because of the shift last year. They're also a bottom 10 base running team. And the biggest concern, I think, is the roster depth. We talked about the Red Sox. Yes, there's some high-end talent on that team. Same thing goes for the White Sox. But once those stars get banged up, Eloy Jimenez gets hurt every year. Once those guys get banged up, the replacements that they have for them are closer to bottom-of-the-barrel replacements than a team like the Rays, who, as I mentioned, are safe to get to the playoffs because every time somebody gets hurt, they have a major league average player to replace them with. Teams like the Red Sox and the White Sox are going to be replacing their stars with below average players. Teams are going to actually hurt them and not provide neutral values. So over the course of 162 game season, yes, the White Sox have upside to win their division if they stay healthy. But I think the downside with an average amount of injuries is very low and they could conceivably, if they end up trading people, things completely fall apart, would finish closer to 70 wins, in my opinion, than 80. So the White Sox under 83 and a half, my favorite win total bet. Obviously, I see the upside if everybody stays healthy. There are stars all over this roster, but the overall depth brings them down dramatically. On top of the fact, they're also playing fewer divisional games this year, and they were benefiting from one of the weaker divisional schedules in recent years. So playing more games against the AL East, the AL West, not going to be to their benefit. And that's an angle why I like the Red Sox, because they don't have to play their division yeah. for most of the year. More games cool. against the Central. Yeah, any any AL East. Uh, Colin and I, and I believe Anthony DeBundo and I talked about this. It's going to be very difficult for the Central in either league to get more than one playoff team, just because we've seen the weakness of those divisions relative to the other two divisions in their leagues in the playoffs throughout the regular season. So the wild cards are likely to come from the East and the West this year in both leagues. FanDuel's totals for Cleveland, just talking this division, 86 and a half is the number at FanDuel right now for the Guardians, Minnesota Twins at 84 and a half. Just and I'm all over the Guardians, I should mention. All of those numbers have moved, so I don't really see value in the Guardians anymore. I would fade the White Sox more so than playing on the Guardians at this point. 
Okay, let's go back to Colin. Speaking of the Twins, you've got an angle on Minnesota for the coming season. Colin Witcher. Yeah, I'm not going to pull a BJ here and defend my shitty baseball team. I think everything <laughs> that Sean said is accurate about the White Sox as much as it depresses me. I'm going to focus on the Twins instead. I think there's value on them to win this division. I got it a couple weeks ago, north of plus 200. It's still plus 180 at FanDuel. That's probably about as low as I would bet it. You can bet plus 180 or you can bet over 84 and a half wins. I actually did both. Very high on this Twins team. I think that there is plenty of value in them to get past Cleveland and win this division. The Twins had a sneaky good offseason. They didn't make any huge splashes. Obviously, everyone remembers the Correa saga. Correa ended up returning to Minnesota, but they made some under the radar moves beyond that. I think that there was a lot of criticism about the Pablo Lopez for Luis Arias trade. I think that as much as they might miss Arias, I think Pablo Lopez really helps steady out that rotation. You know, it was it was just a year, maybe a year and a half ago that Kenta Maeda was their number one or number one A starter. He's now entering the season as their number five starter. All five of their projected starting pitchers have a projected seasonal ERA by fan graphs of 4.16 or lower. Lopez, Gray, Ryan, Molly, Maeda. There isn't necessarily an ace among that bunch, but there is a lot of steady arms there. And they went out and got guys like Michael A. Taylor who are going to help Buxton stay healthy. Presumably Buxton's going to be able to DH more and it's not going to hurt their defense because Taylor is an elite defensive center fielder. Look at steps forward for guys like Trevor Larnack, guys like Max Kepler, Nick Gordon. We're going to see more of him this year. They have Royce Lewis waiting in the wings as well. There is depth there in Minnesota. I'm a big fan of Jose Miranda going to take over at third base. I think he's in for a big year. And then whatever the hell they get out of Joey Gallo. And I didn't even mention Christian Vasquez. That's a, that's a very good addition at catcher. He's not necessarily a lead at anything, but again, steadying presence in a very weak division. I understand why Cleveland's the favorite. I think that they should be the favorite, but I think that people are overlooking Minnesota. They've obviously been disappointing the last two years, but the core of what made them favorites a couple of years ago is still there and they've built up depth around them. They've got solid major leaguers in terms of bench pieces like Donovan Solano and Kyle Farmer and Ryan Jeffers. And their bullpen with Jorge Lopez and Joan Duran. Joan Duran might end up leading the league in saves when it's all said and done. He's got some of the most electric stuff in the bullpen there, period. Very high on the Twins there. As I mentioned, plus 180 to win the division is probably as low as I would go. And I'm going to keep up with the theme of throwing out uh, a rookie of the year here with every single division. Oscar Colas on my White Sox right now at FanDuel is 20 to 1. At a lot of other books, you'll see him as low as 12 to 1. It looks like he's going to be the opening day right fielder for the White Sox. Going to have plenty of opportunities to mash. And I think there's a lot of value in the rookie of the year market for him there as well. BJ Cunningham, angle on the AL Central. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with both Sean and uh, and Colin. I think that fading the White Sox is the way to go in this division. You know, even if you just look at Fangraph's projections for, you know, who's going to win this division, you know, the Guardians are sitting at 42% and the Twins are sitting at 34.5%. So, 
even if you took both of those teams and just said, you know what, I don't really have a strong opinion between the Guardians or the Twins, I think you would still make it out profitable, essentially just fading the White Sox in this division. And, you know, as far as the Guardians are concerned, you know, adding Josh Bell makes their lineup even better to an already team that team that already had a really good bullpen, very good starting rotation with Tristan McKenzie, hopefully making that next step into being a top 20 type starting pitcher. You also have a Guardians team that was top five in defense last season. So I agree with both of them that fading the White Sox is the way to go in this division. And I think you'll come out profitable if you take both the Twins and the Guardians to win this division. My intuitive assumption was that the Guardians would benefit more than any other team from the new rules. I believe 538 did a study and determined that the Guardians would benefit more from the new rules than any other team. So I was happy to see that like the intuitive nature of that assumption proved out with somebody actually doing a deeper dive. They were top three in defensive value, and they relied least on the shift of any other team. They also are great at base running. So the Guardians with the new rules, that's why I have them just edging out the Twins. Edward Julian really impressed me in the World Baseball Classic. I think that's a big reason why the Twins made that Arias trade. This kid's ready to come up and basically give them the value offensively that Arias was providing. So, yeah, the Twins are loaded offensively. They were closer to plus 300 in the division earlier in the offseason. Now Colin's saying they're getting down closer to plus 180. I like them at plus 300. I actually considered betting both the Guardians and the Twins. Uh, I just ended up fading the White Sox and betting the Guardians. But yeah, I, I don't disagree. I think the Twins are going to be there just like they were all of last year. And maybe because they screwed me last year <laughs> with our plus 400 divisional tickets, I was less inclined to back them this year. But definitely see all the arguments for the Twins. I think they're going to be just as good, if not better, than they were last year. Oh, a good grudge. Well, it's a new season. On to the American League West. Astros, Mariners, Rangers, A's, and those Angels. Sean Zarillo, I can't believe you're doing it. You've, you're going to back the LA Angels. I mean, there, there could be a divide after Otani struck out Trout. I mean, that's just, there could be some uh, infighting there. No, I'm joking, from the World Baseball Classic. But you see value in the Angels to come out of the West. I don't think you could argue that there's not value in any angels to win the AOS. They're plus 900 currently best available odds. Pakoda has them at 16 and a half percent. That's plus 500 implied. Yep. Fangraphs has them at 15% around plus 575 implied. They were plus 400 last year to win the division. We bet that they're better this year, deeper roster. Uh, Pakoda has them finishing eight games behind the Astros Fangraph seven games behind, but in third place, that's why there's a differential in those odds. So at plus 1200, when I gave this out earlier, great bet at plus 900, 10% implied, still a great bet because you're getting a 5% edge compared to their least optimistic projection of the two projections at plus 900. I think this is a must bet, even if it's a 10th of a unit, which is literally what I have on it, a 10th of a unit. That's what you should put on this bet. The Astros are banged up coming into the season. Projections all like the Mariners to go under their win total this year. Whether you agree or disagree with that, regardless, the Angels are a value bet to win their division at plus 900. I think it's something everybody should bet. They were plus, I just want to reiterate this, they were plus 400 last year. They have a better shot of winning their division this year. I don't really get the odds movement. I don't really get why the odds are there. Are they going to win their division? No, but you still should bet it because the odds just don't make sense compared to the 15% projections that are out there. There are going to be moments this season where we're in extra innings and Mike Trout gets walked and Zarilla will say to himself, why did I do this? It'll happen. It's, it's part the of the dumbest. Grind. Yeah, if, if anybody is unaware, I think the 
The runner on second base to start in extra innings is dumb purely because you're taking the bat out of the hands of the best pitters in the game. There's no reason why Mike Trout leading off an inning should get to be intentionally walked to bring up Taylor Ward in the biggest moment of the game. And while better, as you said, their roster construction is better. That bottom yes. half of the lineup deeper is- added guys like Hunter Renfro. They, they have much more depth this year. Um, and Otani is a free agent at the end of the year. So if any team is ever going to go out and just spend resources to trade and add pieces to get them to the playoffs, I think it's the 2023 angels. They have to go all in. I like it. Otherwise Otani's leaving and he might leave anyway, but they have to show him like we're all in this year. All right. Colin Whitchurch. And it, it's bringing back uh, Angels win total unders. That was a nice sweat by the end of the end of last year. Colin, you've got a rookie of the year angle from this division. Yeah, believe it or not, I'm talking rookie of the year again. But I did want to say that I've spent the last several weeks trying to talk myself out of betting <laughs> the Angels this season. And Sean has done me no favors because we're going to get sucked into the Angels again this year. Point, uh, one, point one, it's not. I'm not asking much. A tenth of a unit. I, I know, <laughs> I know, but I'm a believer. I'm a believer as well. Yes, I'm going to wrap this up with one more Rookie of the Year angle. One of the things I look at when I'm betting Rookie of the Year, which is something that I absolutely love to bet, if anyone who's listened to me over the last year and a half knows, is opportunity. That's like, the biggest point piece in winning rookie of the year is actually an opportunity to play. You can talk about all of these top prospects and you just don't know if the team is a going to call them up early enough and B there's a spot for them, especially on some of these better teams. The Oakland athletics are not a good team. I know Sean is recommending the over on their win total. I see value there as well. Are they going to lose a hundred games? I'm not so sure, but they do have a very good starting pitching prospect who's currently coming off at 60 to one to win AL rookie of the year. That's Kyle Muller. They got him from the Braves in the deal that sent Sean Murphy to Atlanta. It doesn't look like Muller is going to start the year in Oakland's rotation, but that should not last long. Oakland's rotation as currently constructed by a roster resource is Shintaro Fujinami. Who's also kind of a stealth rookie of the year candidate. I actually am a big fan of his behind him. James Caprillian, JP Sears, Drew Rusinski, Ken Waldachuk. If you're asking yourself who the hell are these guys, exactly my point. Kyle Muller came up, made a handful of starts for the Braves at the end of last year. It went very poorly. I think playing in Oakland, playing in that spacious ballpark is going to help him out quite a bit. If Oakland can play competent defense behind him, which Oakland does have some competent defenders. They have some competent major leaguers. They're not going to be a good team by any means. But Muller is going to get the innings to contend here. Last year, the pitcher who I was all over was Joe Ryan. Obviously, Julio Rodriguez ran away with the award. But Ryan's value got better, or got worse, I should say, after opening day when people saw that he was going to be a steadying force in the Minnesota rotation. I think we got him in the 30-1 to range last year. And within a couple weeks of the season, he was down in the 10-1 to range. I think we're going to see the same thing out of Muller as soon as he comes up. He's one of my favorite AL Rookie of the Year bets because he's going to get the opportunity to pitch every fifth day in Oakland for a majority of the season. All right, good stuff. Oakland A's angles despite their horrid, horrid baseball team. BJ Cunningham, quick thought on this division before we wrap up. Yeah, I mean, I agree with both Sean and Colin. You know, obviously the Angels are providing value. The the other thing with the Angels is if you look at, you know, like Sean mentioned, the depth of their roster, you know, 
if Anthony Rendon can stay healthy for a full season, he obviously hasn't been healthy for the last three seasons, but if you go back to when he was fully healthy, he was one of the most productive hitters in major league baseball. So you obviously don't know what you're going to get from him or if he's actually going to play a full, you know, 130, 140 games, but, and also adding Brandon jury, like who is a very, very solid hitter for both for San Diego last season. So uh, it obviously makes the angels a lot better. And, you know, the A's their bullpen as well has, is very, very average. Like if you, they average added Trevor may, they have a ton of guys in there who, if you look through all the projections are right around a three, nine ERA pitcher, like that's right around where the MLB average is. So it's, you know, only asking that team to win, you know, 60 plus games is, is good value. I actually have an MVP bet from this division. I like Jordan Alvarez at 12 to one. Uh, I don't think he should be above 10 to one to be the MVP of the AL. Obviously it's a very difficult award to win in the American league because you have Aaron judge who, you know, had not stellar, obviously one of the best seasons in major league baseball history last season, Shohei with the, both the pitcher and hitter angle. And then obviously Mike Trout who's still one of the best hitters in baseball, but Alvarez last season put up just as good, or if not better numbers than everybody besides Aaron judge, you know, he had 37 home runs, 95 RBIs, a 6.6 war. And he actually underperformed. Like if you look at his weighted on base average, it was 432. His expected weighted on base average was 462. So that was second best in Major League Baseball behind obviously only Aaron Judge. And he topped Major League Baseball in every single stat cast metric from max as exit velocity, average exit velocity, barrel rate. And what I love about him too is he hits lefties just as good as he hits righties. So there's really no weakness for him as a hitter. And, you know, I went through and ran my projections. I have him projected as the second best hitter in Major League Baseball or in the AL coming into the season, obviously behind Aaron Judge. You know, I do base runs projections, which, you know, essentially is a run estimator for how many runs a guy produces for his team. On a per game average, I have Jordan Alvarez at 0.78. That's second best in the AL behind, obviously, only Aaron Judge. So you do that over a full season, assuming he plays 140 games, he's contributing 230 runs towards his team. So, Obviously, health is a concern. He had the hand injury, you know, going into spring training. He's obviously been playing and looking fine. But, you know, if he stays healthy for an entire season, he has just as good metrics as anybody in Major League Baseball, obviously, outside of Aaron Judge. We're obviously asking Aaron Judge to, to do a historic season again, which, you know, by projections, he's not probably going to do that. So, Jordan Alvarez, I don't think should be below 10 to 1 to win this award. Player props, long shots coming next week on Payoff Pitch. So be sure to find us there. Action Network's baseball betting podcast. That'll put a wrap on our American League best bets episode. Later in the week, we'll have our National League best bets episode. So be on the lookout for that. For Colin Whitchurch, Sean Zarillo, BJ Cunningham, Brendan Glasheen, thanks for tuning in. Again, we'll have our final four player props episode with Sean Kerner and Nick Giffen later this week on the Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel. Thanks for listening. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.